Good morning, church. We definitely come to the house of the Lord to praise him. Today we're going to continue in our series, Beyond the Natural. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 1. First, I want to give um, a, a definition of, of opposite. It's having a, a position on the further side of something, facing something, especially something of the same type. Last Friday, uh, we had our baptismal service. And one of the requirements in being baptized is to take a baptism class. And, and we did that. Uh, those that were baptized took that class, and Deacon Ray was the one who taught in that class. And when he taught in that class, he asked a question. And, and the question was, who is the opposite of God? And quite naturally, some people said the devil. But the devil is not the opposite of God because God has no equal. So because he has no equal, he has no opposite opposing force. And in some ways we look at it and we think, yes, uh, the devil is the opposite in, in his agenda, but we have to be careful because nothing compares to God. No one compares to God. God is our father who brings about life. The devil is the adversary who desires to kill. God is your friend. The devil is your, is your accuser. So in, in some ways it seems like there's an opposite, but, but there's not. There's just a difference. God is creator. The devil was created. So, so we are subject to God, but but you're not subject to the devil. The devil is subject to God. That's something that we need to know. Father, we lift up this sermon this morning and, and how you're going to speak to us. We always come to church wanting to worship and praise you wanting to hear from you, wanting to be changed, wanting to, to know you better, wanting to fellowship with one another. Allow your word to do what only your word can do. Those truths that come to us, that, that cut our hearts, that, that does a surgery, that does a work. Have your way this morning and be glorified in your house. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. If you would, stand with me for the reading of God's word. Again, we are in our series, Beyond the Natural, and today's sermon is called, The Devil Can't Stop You. We're in Job chapter 1. We're going to start reading at verse 6. I'm reading out of the CSB, and it says, One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? 
No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. Satan answered the Lord, does God, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? You have blessed the works of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the presence, the Lord's presence. You may be seated. What, what a, what a story. The book of Job is a very interesting book. It, it is considered the oldest book in the Bible. It stands alone from every book um, in the Bible. It, it falls in the category of uh, wisdom books. Um, it's a book that has a lot of theology in it. And it's preceded by the Psalms, right? And, and we know the Psalms to be a very devotional book. And then that book is followed by the Proverbs, which is a very practical book. But as we look at Job, and we even read that story, it, it, it messes with our theology in a way. The, the book brings about this interaction between Satan and, and God. Um, and, and it seems to be very unusual but as we've been going through this series, uh, we've defined a couple of things and we've learned about a couple of things, topics that we don't always speak about, but they're important to know. So before we even get into the text, let's just talk about who the devil is. He, he is first and foremost a created being. He's a fallen angel who fell from his position in heaven because of the sin of pride. And he led a rebellion, and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven. Um, he is different than how we portray him many times. We portray him as this, this red guy with, with horns, but that's not who he is, or sitting on uh, your shoulder and, and someone sitting, and an angel on, on the other shoulder, and him having a, a pitchfork, or even sometimes we would... Uh, Think of him as the ruler of hell, and he is certainly not that. Actually, hell was made for Satan and, and, his, and his demons. He actually appears, the Bible says, as an angel of light. So that means that we have to be careful because he comes in disguises. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. He is a murderer and he's been a murderer from the beginning. He hates God. And because he can't do anything to God, he can't take anything 
out on God um, because he has no power to do that. Um, his power is actually limited by God, but he can oppose us. Um, he and his work was defeated at the cross. He is a defeated foe, and he will be thrown into the lake of fire. But it, that's not the story yet. And God is perfect in his wisdom, and God is perfect in his timing, and we still have to deal with the devil. And the Bible says that he took me. Um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago when we went through the temptation that Jesus had in the desert as the Holy Spirit led him into the desert and he fasted those 40 days, that's where the devil ended up telling Jesus, bow down and worship me. So, so he wants to be worshiped. And that was his problem. Uh, he was in heaven and he had a high-ranking position and he wanted to be worshiped instead of give God worship. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And, and many times we find ourselves in that same situation. Sin uh, and the pride that was found in him is, is, is going off the mark. It, it is desiring things uh, for self. And, and that is the root of sin many times is it's pride. But it is very important for us to understand that he has limited power. What, what he cannot do is he cannot possess a believer. We have the Holy Spirit. He cannot oppress us. But we need to know him. We need to know his tactics because he can oppress a believer. What, what he does is he tempts. What he does is he lies. What he does is he accuses. And he has an army of, de of, of demons that work with him. So we need to, to know who he is, but we need not fear him at all. It is important for us to know our enemy. You know, so many times, like theologically, we will affirm that there are angels and demons, but in our practice, in the way we operate in our theology, um, sometimes we don't see the spiritual components that are behind the natural things that we see. And it is very important that we see that. That's why it says in Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, finally be strengthened by the Lord in his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes, not of people, but of the devil. For our struggles, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. We need to, to, to recognize that. And we need to see behind the natural things and understand 
What are the forces that are bringing these things about? What does he look like? It says in Job chapter 1, starting at verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported, while the oxen were plowing and the, donkey, and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabaeans swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. So, so when we look at that, we ah, the Sabaeans, I always hated those people. But it was the drive that we recognize is there was a conversation in heaven. And the devil was given permission to attack Job. Limited, but permission. Job didn't know that. Job knew the Sabaeans came and took my stuff. And now that's who I got beef with. That's who I have a problem with. Now they're my enemy. And so often we do that. Not being privy to what's happening in the supernatural, what's happening in the spiritual realm. But it is very important for us to recognize those things. When we think about who Job was, it tells us that that Job was a man of complete integrity, um, who feared God and turned away from evil. Job wasn't a perfect man, but in relation to the people that he was around, Job was upright. Job feared God. Job looked to turn away from evil. He had 10 children, and he was very Rich. He was the greatest of all the men in the East, the Bible says. So he was, he was very blessed. He loved the Lord, and he was on his grind, right? He was, he was out there making his money, doing his thing, blessing his family, praying for his family, and loving on, on God. And it says in verse 6, with all of that, one day the sons of God came into the present to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came with them. So it shows us here that, that the devil has some kind of access to God. So although it be limited, he, he does have an audience with God, and we know that because we know what he uses the access for. He uses the access to accuse us. Because the Bible tells us that he is the accuser of the brethren and that he accuses us before God day and night. Although he does that, um, that doesn't get him very far, not with God's people, because it says in Romans 8.33, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? It is God is the one who justifies. But that's what he does. And in verse 7, it says that the Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? 
And that is not a question as if God didn't know where Job was, but it was a question of, I, you still answer to me. And he says, where have you come from? And he says, from roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around on it. So Satan has to give an account to God. And, and, and it's funny, he didn't, he didn't really start going into what he was doing and exactly where he was because he didn't have anything good to say. Right. So so I, I, I've been roaming around. Right. Kind of like when you when you ask your kid something about something they did and, and they kind of take it into an abstract place so you don't pinpoint exactly uh, the point that's being made. But one of the things that we know about him roaming around on the earth is that he's not going through uh, to a, a Sunday stroll. Right? He's just not like uh, uh, looking at the sunrise and, and the sunset. He is up to no good as he always is. And it says in verse 8, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. One of the things that you notice here is... In our operations, in us living our lives, we not only catch the attention of people around us, of men and women, but heaven is also aware of everything that is happening. There is an audience there that sees you, that, that knows you, that is well acquainted with what is going on. And when he asked that question, Satan answered, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household and everything he owns? You have blessed the works of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand. And strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. The devil is doing what he does. God was pleased with Job. God acknowledged who Job was, and the devil hated Job. And then tried to say, no, there's a reason why this is happening. Know, just like the devil knew, that God has a hedge of protection around his people. What, what, what a good thing to know, that God has a hedge of protection around you. And even the forces of evil acknowledge that. It cannot be penetrated without permission. But, but, but look, at, look at what the devil says to God. Of course Job is worshiping you. You're paying him to. 
That's basically what he says. You're blessing him. Look what he has. Of course he's going to worship you. I bet you this. You take that stuff away from him, he's going to curse you to your face. What, 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 about, what about you? Is, is your faith artificial? Is, is your faith based on your blessings? There's a lot of preachers that even preach that way. You're not supposed to get sick. You're not supposed to be broke. You're supposed to always have. And if you're not having those things, it's because you don't have enough faith. But that's not what the Bible teaches. How we respond when things go wrong goes wrong according to us in the way that we view it, right? Because that's, that's what matters with wrong, if I think is wrong. How we respond when we don't understand, how we respond when, when we suffer, these are the things that determine the depths of your faith. What, what was the devil trying to do? The devil was trying to destroy Job's love for God. Job's trust in God. He wanted to break Job's consistency, right? So Job was not only uh, uh, praying for himself, but even if his kids had a party, he, he, he was praying for them that if they may have sinned, that, that God would have grace and, and, and mercy on them. So when we watch, he wanted to, to break Job. He, he wanted to break Job's piety and, and, and his relation. And he wants to do that in your life. If you allow disruptions to take you out of what you're called to do. Because now I have to turn the focus to me. This is happening to me. I got to take care of me. It stops you from doing the things that God wants you to do. When we're focused on the things that he called us to do, despite what's going on, then we're still on track. But if we can get sidetracked and squeezily when little disruptions come in our own life, you, you can be neutralized. You can be saved and, and be neutralized where you're not doing things to further the kingdom. You're not walking in the things that God has called you to walk in. One, one of the things that I recognize uh, in, in those that, that come Sunday after Sunday Wednesday after Wednesday, Friday nights is, is their consistency. That certainly does not mean that all hell may not be breaking loose in their life. But what it's saying is, despite that, this is what I'm called to do. This is where I need to be. This is what's going on in my life. And I'm going to continue to bless and to do God is going to take care of me in these other things. And we have to find ourselves in that place. One of the greatest examples of that is, is you, you watch Joseph. When Joseph was in the dungeon in prison, he could have been like, this is bogus. 
My, my brothers sell me into to slavery. Then I get accused of something I didn't do, and now I end up in this dungeon. Forget all of these people. But what did he do? He still served the people that were there. And whatever situation he was in, even when he was a slave, he got elevated. Even when he was a prisoner, he got elevated. And God was doing a work in him. So when it came to the cupbearer, when it came to the baker, he wasn't so wrapped up in what was going on in his own life being in a dungeon. Don't matter if you're the boss of the dungeon, you're in the dungeon. And he was still able to have and be used by God despite what was going on around him. And that was so, so important. One of the things that um, this says is that despite all of that stuff that was going on, um, Job continued to keep an affection for God. One of the things that is so important is that I don't care how much wealth you can attain. It cannot shield you from suffering and affliction. It can't. Job was the richest in the East. Gone. But integrity, right? Grit, that inner fortitude that God gives us. Uprightness. Righteousness, keeping focus on him through everything, it will preserve you. All of those things he acquired, gone in a minute, did not protect him from losing his family and all the things that he had. But because of his integrity, because of his relationship with God, because of his, of his uprightness, it kept him preserved. It says in verse 12 that God says, very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence very well of God if you think of God and we think of him as our provider as our protector as the one who is seeing us through you would never have written the script to say in that moment God would say very well go ahead you can do that that's not the only time in the Bible you see that. Jesus told Peter, Satan asked for you by name. He wants to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that when you come through that process, strengthen your brothers. Whoa, how about like me not going through that process? How about you pray right now that he can't touch me? 
I, I, I vote for that. So here, he says, very, very well, I'm going to give you access. But notice that the access was, was limited. Why would God give access to Satan to disrupt Job? Why, why would God give access to Satan to disrupt you or me? Job lost all of his possessions. And we might say, okay, I could deal with that. But Job also lost his 10 children. They're gone. What about that, God? Even in those things, because God is eternal, because we look at life as when we leave here, it's over, we, we can't stomach that kind of stuff. That's not how God views that. They, they didn't die an untimely death. God was up to something. Who, whoever those 10 people were in God, that's who they are. And that's what it was going to be. But in this, what was Job's response? It says, starting in verse 20, then Job stood up, tore his robe, and this is after all of these things took place. Shaved his head, he fell to the ground, and he worshiped, saying, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Wow. That, that, that's, that's relationship. That, that, that ties into God gave this to me. It belongs to him. He has the right to take it all at once. He had the right never to allow me to have it, whether it be my children that don't belong to me. I'm stewards over their life for a season. Whether it be all of these camels and all of this cattle, God is the one who has cattle on a thousand hills. If he allows some of them to graze in his yard that you are living on, because the earth is his, then, then amen. amen. If, if, if he does not give you those things, amen. If he gives you those things and, and then he takes it from you, Amen. So when we, when we recognize that, it, it, it's disturbing to us because we want to lay claim to things that really aren't ours, and, and we want to act as if we have a right to something that we have no right to because it all belongs to him. 
says that um, the devil didn't get the response that he wanted. So he figured, let me go double down, and he goes back to God again. And what does God say? Have you considered my servant Job? And he says, but you, you wouldn't let me touch him. Skin for skin. If you, if you let me touch his body, he will curse you to your face. And, and God says, very well. <laughs> but you can't, uh, you can't take his life. Job is unaware of the conversation in heaven about him. All Job is acquainted with is what Job is going through. Just like me and you. It's, it's what's happening in our lives, not privy to other information. What we have to recognize is... Um, God is in control over everything. Like you need to know that. And when you realize God is in control of everything, we can still come to this question. Why? Like, okay, it's, it's yours. Why? Why are you allowing me to go through this. And Job came to the point. We had that. I, I, I've been upright. I, I, I've, I've loved you. Why? And, and God answered him. And God says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind, and he said, Who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Who supports its foundations? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds his garments and total darkness his blankets, when I determined his boundaries and put his bars and doors in place, when I declare, you may come this far but no further, your proud waves stop here. In, in a sense, what he's saying is, I'm God. And, and it's deeper than I can do what I want, but that's certainly there. I have all wisdom. You can't understand one aspect of what I've created and what I'm holding together. But I'm holding you too. And if I allow something in your life, that the question it's not why. The, the question becomes, do you trust me? 
do you love me? Is it only predicated on me giving you what you want? It, it, it's, it's, it's God saying, if I have all of this in control, I have your life in control also. See, when we don't understand, we have to trust God's character. When, when we don't understand, when we are hurt, we have to trust God's strength. We have to trust God's wisdom. We have to trust that God loves us. See, one of the things that um, we do is, is we you do have transactions with each other. You do this, I'll do that. You pay me this, I'll give you this. God is, is not a transactional God. It, it, it does not work if you do A, then B is definitely going to be the result. And it is so often that we think that way. And Job's friends basically said that. This is your result? You had to be doing something wrong. Right? And we get on Job's friends a lot, but for the first seven days when they came to be with Job, they just sat there quiet with him. I'd be hard-pressed to find people to sit with me for seven minutes when we're going through something. Seven days they sat there in silence. I guess then they came to a point where, hey, we, we, we got to figure this out. And, and Job, you must have done something wrong for this to be the result. But um, that, that wasn't, that wasn't, the case. But we see that throughout the Bible. Jesus is walking with his disciples and they come across a, a blind man. And, and the question they ask is, um, Jesus, who, who sinned, this man or his parents? Because they even believe, like, if the parents did something wrong, that's the punishment that they're going to get. Their, their son um, is blind. And this is what Jesus said. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. Why did God give the devil access to Job, to you? Because he's doing something greater. Because he's doing something eternal. He is doing a work on your heart. He also used that time to expose all of the hearts that were there. He exposed Job's heart. He exposed Job's wives, his wife's heart. Just curse God and die. Thanks, honey. He exposed Job's friends' hearts. So in those times, he's doing a deep surgery. It says in the word of God, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. 
penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. He did a great work in Job. You can come up, worship team. This is what Job said. Job had to come to the place where he had to approach God. And when he approached God, he had to repent. But in it all, in it all, this is what Job said. Chapter 42 and verse 5. I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. That made all the difference in the world. That made it worth it all. Job got new kids. Job got greater wealth. So what? I heard about you. Now I've seen you. I've seen you because of what you put me through. I've, I've seen you because now I understand things about you that I didn't understand before. And there is no way that you were going, he was going to get that understanding. You were going to get that understanding without going through the things that he allows in your life. I've heard of you, but now I've seen you. When I was studying 1 John chapter 1, John starts talking about he that came, we, 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 we saw him, we heard him, we lived with him, we touched him. We've experienced him. Job had an experience with God because of the things that he went through. And those things were all temporal. He was healed in his body. Those set of children are in eternity. He got new cattle and new camels. But he got to see God when before that experience he had only heard of God the Bible tells us that knowing all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us the devil is defeated the devil we need to know that he's there But he answers to God. And he's not going to always be there. He will be thrown into the lake of fire. But even the things that we go through, God wants you to see him through it all. He wants you to experience him. He is making you more like his son. It says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in 
Christ Jesus, our Lord. It was nothing that the devil could do to pull Job away from his loving father. God didn't allow Job to go through though that experience that it wasn't going to be for Job's betterment, that it wasn't going to show Job who God was, that it wasn't going to make Job more godly, a deeper relationship. And it's the same in mine and your life, brothers and sisters. There are things that we've gone through that shake our theology. What, 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 what God, I, 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 I did this. I, I, I sat with my children. Oh, how could they be going off? God, I, I love this person. Why, why are they acting up? God, I work diligently. Why, why am I broke? I took care of myself. Why am I suffering in my body? God, God is up to something. He, he wants you to not only know of him, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know that you can trust him. You can trust in his character. You can trust in his love. You can trust in his consistency. You can trust that he's bringing you through to the place he wants you to be. Let me pray for you. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that even when we look at a story like this, and, and, and sometimes it baffles us, and, and we can identify with certain elements of it in our own lives and the things that we've been through, but believing if we did certain things, it would turn out certain ways. So often we're clouded to what is going on beyond the natural, the things that we can't see. And that's when we have to trust in who you are, in your wisdom, in your provision, in you holding us, in you doing something in our lives, Lord. No matter if we've been suffering for a short time, or it seems like a lifetime, Lord. You have a purpose in it all. Help us to know that because we know you. And deepen our faith that even going through some of these processes that we would know you're right there. Give us what we need to get through the next day, the next hour, the next minute, oh God. Give us a joy knowing that we are safe and secure in your arms and that you have everything under control, oh God. We pray for that one that doesn't know you, Lord. That you are allowing circumstances in their lives to mount so that they would come to the end of themselves, Lord. Let them trust in your saving work at the cross. Turn and repent of their sins and call out to you. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. 
that they would know that they are safe and secure. They would open up their Bibles and see things that they never saw before. Feasting on your word, the bread of life. We thank you for all that you have allowed us to go through. David got closer to you through his affliction. Job got closer to you through his affliction. Even Peter, after he was sifted by the devil, was the first one to proclaim your name in the book of Acts. Died a martyr's death, loving you to the end. Give us that kind of strength, Lord. Give us that kind of love that there would be nothing in this world, not a thing, not a person, that even compares to you, God. Anything that we may lose on this earth, that we would try to hold something against you, God, let it not be said. Let our affection for you be so deep. Let us understand how far we were from you and how you brought us close and that we are your children. That would supersede anything this world has to offer, Lord. Lay all these things at your feet and we thank you for what you've done in each one of our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for the confidence that we have no matter where we are and what we're going through recognizing that you are in control of all things and there is nothing that could separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Be glorified in each one of our hearts and in this place this day. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.